Welcome to the first episode of the Boilers and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Jones. On this podcast, we will break down the biggest news and notes surrounding Purdue athletics while keeping an eye on the rest of the Big Ten Conference and the national landscape of college athletics. On today's episode, we will be discussing the biggest stories from Purdue basketball during this quarantine period, and that would be the transfers of uh, seniors-to-be Matt Harms and Nojel Eastern from the basketball program, as well as Coach Matt Painter's very highly publicized comments regarding the transfers on the Dan Dockett show. Um, to begin with, early in the offseason period, Matt Harms announced that he would be leaving the program as a graduate transfer um, to play his senior season of basketball elsewhere. This came as a fairly big surprise to a lot of Purdue people. It sounded like there was very little advance warning to Coach Painter, the rest of the coaching staff, uh, and the rest of the team. Um, then about last week, Nojel Eastern announced that he would also be entering his name into the transfer portal um, very soon after he made a commitment decision. So we will break all that down and more today on the podcast. When Matt Harms left Purdue, it came as a surprise to a lot of people, including myself. Um, the more I think of it, though, it makes a lot of sense. Matt Harms is going to have to compete with Travion Williams for a starting spot this year that he likely was not going to win. Matt Painter has been fairly honest about this uh, since the transfer in that Travion Williams truly beat out Matt Harms for the starting center spot, and Matt Harms was not going to start this year at Purdue. Matt Harms cited his desire to expand and showcase an NBA-ready skill set as part of his reasoning for transferring. If that's the case and that's what Matt Harms wants to do and showcase that he is an NBA player, this was probably the right decision. Um, it's, it's hard on Purdue. Matt Harms was a really, really good player for Purdue. And I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he really has been at Purdue. Um, he came in as a freshman and sat out as a redshirt during a Big Ten championship season with Caleb Swanigan leading the team. He came in and played really well off the bench as a freshman on a team that was in the top 10 of the AP poll the entire season for the most part and played some really, really big minutes for Purdue in their round of 32 win over Butler and their Sweet 16 loss to Texas Tech in that season uh, after Isaac Haas was injured in the first round game against Cal State Fullerton. Um, Matt Harms will be remembered as a Purdue player who showed a lot of energy, who gave it his all every time he was on the court. Um the downside for Matt Harms was that he had a really, really rough junior year. Um, as a sophomore, he was really good for Purdue. Uh, he really did well with shooters like Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein on the court with him. This really allowed for Matt to showcase his ability to be a screen and roll type guy and to throw down dunks in the middle of the paint. Um, Defenses would have to show a lot more respect to Purdue shooters than they did in Matt Harms' junior year. Um, Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein were a major threat, 
this opened up the paint for Matt Harms to really do his thing in one-on-one or one-on-zero settings. His junior year, that wasn't the case. Purdue was not as good of a three-point shooting team. Most of Purdue's three-point shooting came off of set plays and guys running off screens, whereas that was not the case in Matt Harms' sophomore year. Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein were able to dribble themselves open. Grady Eifert was a shooter on the roster. Aaron Wheeler was a much better shooter in that season than he was this past year. Sasha Stefanovic was a shooting threat. Um, You know, all of these players really gave Purdue a big opening in the center of the court for Matt Harms and Travion Williams and Evan Boudreaux to do some things for them. Matt Harms really benefited from that. And if you go back and watch some of the games from that 2018-19 season, which I have over this quarantine period, it's truly amazing how different um, the offense looked from what we saw in Purdue's 16-15 and season in 2019-20. Matt Harms was so much more of an effective player. And that is partially a knock on Harms for not truly developing enough from his sophomore to junior year. It is a knock on some of Purdue's players around him. But also, it needs to be pointed out that the big men in the Big Ten Conference were unbelievable this past season. You look at guys like Luca Garza, first-team All-American, Kofi Coburn, Daniel Oturu, Jalen Smith, Xavier Tillman, Caleb Wesson. Every night, Matt Harms was playing a big man, that was better than he was. The same goes for Travion Williams, Purdue's other big man. This was really hard on Purdue, and this is why Purdue was a 16-15 and team that was likely not going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, If the Big Ten had weaker big men, that would have been a huge help for Purdue, and we may be looking at a completely different situation right now. It is also worth noting that Matt Harms spent a lot of this year pretty dinged up. Um, he suffered a concussion early on in, uh, practice once official practice started in October that caused him to miss some time. Uh, I think a lot of people will remember the loss at Nebraska when Matt Harms suffered another concussion, when he hit the floor pretty hard, um, and a stoppage of play that caused some serious time to, uh, caused some serious time to elapse. He was pretty hurt after that. And then he came in the Michigan game early in January and got his knee dinged up. Of course, that was the game where Travion Williams had his 36-point, 20-rebound performance that really was the high point of his season. So Matt Harms dealt with a lot of injuries that he hadn't in the past. Um, His decision to go to BYU is an interesting one. Uh, I think many people initially expected him to go play at Kentucky for John Calipari, which would have been a decision that I understand a lot. Um, There are not many bigger stages in college basketball than playing for one of the top five coaches in college basketball and one of the top five programs in college basketball history like he would at Kentucky. Um, at the end of the day, he picked to go play at BYU in the West Coast Conference in a decision that was interesting. Um, 
look, I don't know what exactly the thought process was there. I don't think it was a bad decision. That is a situation where Matt Harms is going to be able to put up a lot of points, get a lot of rebounds, get a lot of dunks, and really get a lot of playing time. I don't see any reason why he won't be the starting center the whole season, getting 25 to 28 minutes a game, and really putting up good numbers, albeit against a little bit lesser competition. Um, The visibility is not there as much. The West Coast Conference has two pretty good programs uh, in BYU and St. Mary's, as well as a great program in Gonzaga. After that, it falls off quite a bit. Uh, Matt Harms playing games against Pepperdine and uh, Santa Clara. It's not going to be the same as him playing, you know, Illinois, Indiana, Penn State, programs like that night in, night out on national television where everyone's going to see it. This is a lot of 11 p.m. tip-offs that are on ESPNU and people on the East Coast are blind to. How much that affects him as an NBA prospect, I don't really know. How much of an NBA prospect he is, I don't really know. Matt Arms has demonstrated pretty solid abilities. He can shoot the ball in a pretty effective manner. You saw it a good amount this year as a pick-and-pop guy. He is okay one-on-one in the post. I would not consider him great. We've seen a lot of guys at Purdue who I would say are better in the post one-on-one. Obviously, we've had a lot of great big men at Purdue, but uh, Caleb Swanigan, A.J. Hammonds, Isaac Haas, Jawan Johnson, those guys all stand out as excellent back-to-the-basket one-on-one big men. Matt Harms isn't quite in that same category, but his pick-and-pop ability is something that most of those guys don't have. And Matt Harms is also a very good defensive big man. Uh, He will leave Purdue as a top five player in Purdue's history in block shots. Uh, That's very significant. That's a significant loss for Purdue. Uh, Matt Harms had a good career as a Boilermaker, um, and losing him is a significant loss for this upcoming season. Then that brings us to Nojel Eastern. Um, Where do we even start here? Nojel Eastern announced his decision to transfer last Tuesday. Um, very soon after that, uh, he announced his commitment to Michigan just two days later. What went on in those two days? I have no idea. It makes very little sense from Michigan's perspective. And we will get into reason why we have reason to not believe that this is even taking place here in a few minutes. But look, no gel Eastern is still in the NBA draft. He has not taken his name out of the draft pool. He has simply tweeted that he will be playing for Michigan in the upcoming season. He will not be a graduate transfer, meaning if he ends up at Michigan, he will have to sit out this season in order to play the 2021-2022 season. This is a decision that makes very little sense to me. Um, It's obvious that whatever advice No Gel Eastern has received in the past two months since he left campus has been somewhat misguided. Uh, it's long been noted that No Gel Eastern has a very vocal support system back home in Evanston. He has 
people who believe in him quite a bit. And that's a very good thing for a college athlete who has taken his lumps in the Big Ten over the last three years. The downside to that is what we're seeing now, that his name is in the NBA draft. He is not on any NBA draft boards, no matter where you look, as a player who even has a remote shot to be drafted in this summer's NBA draft. Now he has left Purdue, meaning he's not going to be playing this upcoming season. He does not have a degree. Uh, I don't see any way he gets a medical, or excuse me, a transfer waiver to be eligible immediately. That just doesn't, doesn't resonate as any reason he left Purdue besides wanting to get something else. Um, Michigan as a decision doesn't make any sense. We have not received any confirmation from Michigan or any acknowledgement that Nogel Eastern is going to be a basketball player at the University of Michigan. Uh, Michigan's basketball Twitter account has been silent about this. Nothing has come from Jawan Howard. Nothing has come from any Michigan media to insinuate that there was ever any recruitment going on between Jawan Howard, Phil Martelli, or the rest of that coaching staff and Eastern. Um, I don't know what's going on. This is confusing. It seems that Nogel Eastern has really backed himself in a corner where he is not going to be a college basketball player. Um, Michigan journalists who cover the program have reported that they have reached out to his mother, Tamala Reed, asking for comments on Nogel's commitment to Michigan. Uh, she has declined to comment on all of these, um, assuming, I assume which is as a representative of Eastern and his camp, for lack of a better term. Um, Nogel Eastern is an unfortunate situation at this point. He will always be uniquely remembered for his inabilities on offense at Purdue. Nogel Eastern was a very, very good defender at Purdue. There is a severe lack of recognition of that from Purdue fans, but it is true. He is one of the best defenders Purdue has had, certainly under Matt Painter, but probably one of the best defenders Purdue has ever had in its 120-year program history. The downside to that is that Eastern is one of the most limited offensive players Purdue has ever seen. Uh, it's been very well documented that Nogel Eastern is not a three-point shooter. It has been very well documented that Nogel Eastern is not a mid-range shooter. His struggles at the free throw line were very publicized uh, to the point where in his sophomore season, we saw the game at Michigan or against Michigan State at Mackey where Tom Izzo was fouling him with more than two minutes to go. Thankfully for Purdue, Eastern was knocking down free throws at that point, but a guy who shot in his junior year at Purdue below 50% at the foul line really is going to be remembered for that inability. And it's unfortunate to a degree. Um, you know, a lot of times you hope that people get remembered by what they were good at rather than their inabilities. No gel Eastern's not going to be a case of that. 
Uh, he leaves Purdue as a very controversial player because of his exit. It was abrupt. It was random. There, there's seemingly no reason for it other than there is some reason and someone has gotten in his head that he is better than playing at Purdue. He is better than playing for Matt Painter and that he simply can do more than what he's done at Purdue. How much truth is in that? I don't know. Uh, we've seen very little from him to indicate that he's a professional player. As I mentioned earlier, there are no draft boards or projections that indicate that teams are interested in drafting him. And if he ends up not going to play at Michigan and presumably staying in this year's NBA draft, you know, you're really going to see a sad story having unfolded over the past week or so with a player who had the chance to finish off a decent career at Purdue and move on in life, turn into a player who really just wasted his last year of eligibility. Look, there's a lot of players in college basketball that would love to have the career no gel Eastern had at Purdue. Eastern played in two Sweet 16 games, an Elite Eight game. He won a Big Ten championship. He started for two seasons for the better part of them both and was a major contributor on the team as a freshman. There are a lot of Purdue players that didn't have the chance to play in games of the level that No Gel Eastern did. Um, it's a really unfortunate situation that Eastern's camp and the people who he listens to were not able to recognize the career he had at Purdue and the stability he had at Purdue. I think it was taken for granted that these programs similar to Purdue would want him. And as we've seen now, there is no indication that Michigan wanted him. Uh, and I don't know, maybe Michigan will end up taking him. That would be a very questionable move on Jawan Howard's part. Um, I think it'd be an interesting move for a coach who's still getting settled in the conference to take a player within 48 hours from one of the better programs in the league and the second longest tenured coach in the league. That would be an act of aggression that would be bold and would be risky. And it would be interesting to see how that paid off for Howard. We have no indication right now to believe that Jawan Howard wants no gel Eastern on that roster. If he did, there would have been plenty of communication from Michigan's end that no gel Eastern is going to be a Wolverine in the fall. Matt Painter sounded off on the Dan Dockett show last week regarding his program and the transfers which have taken place over the past week or the past month. There's a lot that's been written about this. Uh, Bob Kravitz was very critical on The Athletic. Um, we've seen plenty on Twitter from Purdue fans, from Purdue critics, from Matt Painter critics. Look, Matt Painter's honesty is a very unique part of him as a coach. Matt Painter has been known for shooting it straight at Purdue, even when that 
makes him look poor. Um, we remember very vividly after Purdue missed the NCAA tournament two straight years with a group of players who were fairly highly rated recruits but did not fit in the Purdue system. We remember very well Matt Painter criticizing himself and saying that he had to get back to recruiting the right players to succeed at Purdue. That's a fairly strong criticism of himself that people don't talk about enough. Matt Painter has been very honest when he has messed up at Purdue and done things that have hurt the success of the program. And he's also been very honest about his praises of how well the program has been under his guide. Uh, Purdue has reached very, very strong success levels under Matt Painter, and he has earned the ability now to make statements the way he did on the Dan Dockett show about No Gel Eastern and Matt Harms leaving the program. Um, people are very quick to praise this and likewise very quick to criticize Matt Painter's sound bites from this. Um, I understand why Matt Painter is frustrated. These are two players who you have given three plus years to in your program, players who have you know played in the biggest game Purdue has seen in the 21st century, and all of a sudden they walk out the door. Um, he's been very critical of both. Now, let's be honest here. The main criticism from Matt Painter's end was with no gel Eastern. I know Matt Harms got lumped into that interview a little bit. There is a huge difference between Matt Harms leaving as a graduate transfer because Travion Williams is going to start over him this year and no gel Eastern not earning a degree from Purdue keeping his name in the NBA draft and announcing he's going to Michigan without Michigan ever acknowledging the commitment as I speak now five days after he tweeted the edited image of him um, from a promotional picture when he was at Purdue, now the same picture just wearing a Mays jersey. Um, there's a huge difference there. I think Matt Painter knows that. I think everyone should know that. Um, with Matt Harms, I view it like this. You can't hate the player. You can hate the game. The graduate transfer rule in college basketball has been very, very polarizing. It has been very overused, in my opinion. It's really hurting college basketball in some degree. It helps the players. Uh, there's no doubt about that, that the graduate transfer rule has been very good for players. Even for Purdue, you've seen Evan Boudreaux. You've seen Jihad Proctor. You've seen John Octius, Johnny Hill, Sterling Carter. Uh, a lot of players have come to Purdue through the graduate transfer wire and been able to finish their career strong at a higher level than they started it. But with no gel Eastern leaving Purdue to sit a year to go play a year at presumably Michigan, if that's what ends up happening, Matt Painter has every right to be upset about that decision. He has every right to question it. Matt Painter made it very clear in that interview that he thought there was some poor advice coming from No Gel Eastern's camp, which we can likely assume comes from his mom, who 
has long been known to be very active on Twitter and Purdue fan message boards, uh, getting into arguments with people who do not see the same potential or the same ability in her son as she does. Um, I don't know what is being said behind closed doors in Evanston right now, but clearly Matt Painter is right that there is a certain degree of poor advice being given to no gel Eastern. And the further we get into this whole dilemma of him leaving and him foregoing his last year at Purdue, the more unfortunate of a situation this is turning into and the worse I feel for no gel Eastern that he is getting this advice poured into him. Matt Painter's comments on the Dan Dockett show were very telling. Uh, I wasn't surprised by any of them. I think that his level of honesty during his time at Purdue is really one of the attributes that makes me have a lot of respect for him as a coach. He's quick to criticize himself. He's quick to criticize others. He's quick to praise others as well. And I think that's what people get lost on by one half hour interview where, you know, he was critical of players leaving the program when times get tough. I think people are looking too much into it. Obviously this period of no sports to watch very little sports news um, has certainly contributed to the blow up on Twitter from Matt Painter's comments Um, But at the end of the day, that's all they are is comments. Uh, I see people on Twitter acting as if this is going to hurt Matt Painter in recruiting or with his current players. I don't think so. Uh, I think Matt Painter is very honest about who he is, who his program identifies as, and the types of players he wants to be at Purdue. He's not going to be someone who's considered a player's coach. Matt Painter is a leader. Matt Painter is the head coach of a program. He is not someone who is going to sell out for individual players. And I think Purdue fans appreciate that. And I think other fans of other programs do not appreciate that. And everyone's entitled to their opinion on this case. But that is mine, is that Matt Painter was very honest in this. And I don't see this hurting him at all in the future. Speaking of the future, obviously with these two departures, Purdue has no seniors on this upcoming team. Um, How will that all look? Obviously, these departures really hurt Purdue on defense. Nogel Eastern, as I mentioned, is one of the better defenders on the perimeter Purdue has ever had. And Matt Harms was very effective in the paint as a rim protector with his high amount of blocks and really his success against some pretty good big men on defense in his time at Purdue. Um, We'll start with Matt Harms. Obviously, for Matt Harms, his situation this year of playing behind Travion Williams for, say, 15 to 18 minutes a game was not going to be ideal. Um, That isn't what You really want to go get NBA attention as a center. Uh, You want to be the main guy. 
Matt Harms wanted to be the main guy, so he left to BYU where he would be the main guy. Um, this creates a big hole behind Travion Williams. Williams is a really good player. The problem is he has not shown a consistent ability to perform at the level he is capable for an extended period of time. We've seen it in full games. We've seen it in stretches of games. Uh, Williams is not one of Purdue's best conditioned players. Uh, He's not shown capability to play extended minutes in a row. Um, He's never really played a ton of minutes at Purdue. Um, You know, really exceeding 20 minutes is not something we've seen from Williams much in his career. This year, he's going to have to do it every single game. Uh, It's going to have to be a 25 to 30 minute effort a game from Travion Williams. And the rest of that 10 to 15 minutes is going to have to come from some form of combination between Emmanuel Duwana and Zach Eady. I don't know what to expect from either of those players. We have seen Emmanuel Duwana very limitedly at Purdue in mop-up roles where he has not excelled, to say the least. Um, I remember the Jacksonville State game this year where he came in. He picked up three very quick fouls and really did not ever look comfortable on the court. Um, That is not to say that he can't get more comfortable. That is not to say that he can't be a contributor on this year's team. But I have seen nothing from Emmanuel Duana to make me expect that he is going to be someone Purdue can rely on for 10 to 15 minutes a game this year. That brings us to Zach Eady, the seven foot three incoming freshman from IMG Academy down in Florida, originally coming from Canada. Edie obviously played at a very prestigious prep academy. The downside to that is that Edie did not get a ton of playing time there. Um, Edie is new to basketball. He grew up playing hockey predominantly. So there's clearly some coordination there that you like to see. Uh, If you're playing hockey, you have to be somewhat coordinated. The problem is is that the Big Ten requires its big men to have a really good feel around the basket and a really good feel of the game in general. How much Edie can do that this year, I don't know. I don't know how well he can come in, learn a new system, get that in place, and be able to play at an average level for 10 to 15 minutes a game. Clearly, the loss of Matt Harms is going to hurt Purdue this year. How much? We will find out. Uh, there's a long time till November, and Zach Eady and Emmanuel Duana are going to have to work really, really hard to make sure that Purdue doesn't fall off a lot at the center position with the departure of Matt Harms. With Nogel Eastern's departure, it takes a much different look because the backcourt is so full of talented players. Um, You look at, with the guys returning, you have Eric Connor, Sasha Stefanovic, Isaiah Thompson. You have Brandon Newman coming off a red shirt, and you have Ethan Morton and Jaden Ivey coming in. That is a lot of names who are all expected to be guys who can contribute to Purdue this year. 
We have seen that already from Thompson, Stefanovic, and Hunter. Those were guys who contributed a solid amount this past year. Uh, Newman coming off a red shirt was a very highly touted recruit coming out of Valparaiso High School. And then both Morton and Ivy rated as four stars coming in. Uh, as you heard Painter on the docket show last week, has touted him as the best passer Purdue has recruited under his time. And Jaden Ivy is supposed to be a very strong scorer coming from Lalamere Prep, originally from Mishawaka. Uh, Purdue's depth at guard is not going to be an issue this year. They're going to have a lot of guys who are capable of going out there and performing. This hurts Purdue on defense plenty. Uh, Eastern was always guarding the best opposing guard, and you saw it a lot of times this year where the best opposing guard did not hurt Purdue in the way that um, they hurt other programs. At the same time, this should free up the offense more. Uh, Eastern was incapable of being a multi-level scorer, uh, he really did not score around the basket well this year. Uh, that was a step that I think most expected him to take, and he really didn't. Uh, he didn't improve much from his sophomore to junior year on offense. In reality, he regressed from his sophomore to junior year. Where he goes from now, uh, who knows? With Purdue, though, Eric Hunter needs to take a big step up on defense this year. He got a lot better from his freshman to sophomore year on defense. The challenge now is for him to get better from his sophomore to junior year. I think the same thing applies for Sasha Stefanovic. Um, obviously, the last impression we had of Stefanovic as a defender was Geo Baker hitting a last-second shot over him at Mackey Arena in the last game Purdue has played. Uh, Stefanovic got a lot better on defense from his soft, or his freshman to sophomore year, and he needs to take a big step in his junior year to keep Purdue's guards solid on defense. Thompson showed some toughness on defense this year. He is limited with size, obviously, but he's a tough kid. You know he knows what he's getting into with the experience PJ has playing for Matt Painter. And in this defensive system that asks a lot out of its players, particularly its point guard, who picks up the opposing ball handler from 94 feet. Newman, Ivy, and Morton all should be better pieces on offense than Eastern was, particularly Newman and Ivy as scorers. And you hope that Ethan Morton comes in and is the facilitator that Matt Painter has praised him to be and that he can be an impact guard for Purdue from week one. Uh, we have not included Mason Gillis and Aaron Wheeler in this. Both of those players are going to be really important for Purdue this year. Wheeler was a solid contributor as a freshman. He was a solid shooter. Uh, he put up decent numbers. And then as a sophomore, he fell off the map. Um, his overall field goal percentage and three-point percentage were down in the 20s. Um, you know, for a player who had shown so much potential and so many flashes of athleticism and some solid three-point shooting, Wheeler really had a poor sophomore season. I do believe he will improve this year. I don't think Aaron Wheeler 
is as ineffective of an offensive player as we saw him be in his sophomore season. Mason Gillis is going to be an interesting case for Purdue. Uh, Gillis was a really strong player at Newcastle High School. The downside is that he has not played competitive games since his junior year of high school. Uh, his senior year, he missed the in its entirety with a knee injury, and he obviously redshirted this past season at Purdue. By all accounts, he works hard. He and Newman both spent a lot of extra time in the gym this season. They both should be impact players from Purdue uh, right away from the opening tip. But there is reason to be cautious with expectations for Mason Gillis, particularly just with the fact that he's sat out the last two seasons. Uh, I think Purdue's offense is going to need to be better three-point shooters this year. Uh, Purdue, at its best under Matt Painter, has had a very good low-post scorer surrounded by capable three-point shooters. And Purdue has a strong low-post scorer in Travion Williams. The question is, can he be consistent? And can the plethora of guards Purdue has around him knock down three-point shots at a level that keeps the defense honest, keeps Williams in one-on-one matchups, and propels Purdue to the top of the Big Ten where they were not this past season. Uh, Purdue's guards all have a very clear path to playing time with Eastern gone. If they can shoot, they're going to be on the court. If they can get the ball in the basket, they are going to be on the court, whether that be through scoring, through facilitating, or however you want to picture it. If Purdue's guards can lead to points, they are going to be on the floor for Purdue this year. I don't think Nogel Eastern's departure is going to hurt Purdue as much as Matt Harms's. I think you are going to see Purdue's guards work really, really hard because of the increased level of competition they have. I think you're going to see Travion Williams uh, either work really, really hard and take a big step forward in his junior year, or you're going to see very quickly if he did not work hard and did not take a big step forward. This is a big opportunity for Travion Williams to prove how much he wants to be an all-Big Ten caliber big man. We will see what happens from there, obviously, Today is only May 19th. We have almost six whole months before the start of the basketball season. There is a lot to be decided within that Purdue locker room still. But as we stand today, Purdue has zero seniors for its season this year. It has one big man who has uh, played relevant minutes for Purdue. And it has a lot of guards who have shown some ability but have not truly elevated their game to the next level yet. Uh, Where that leaves Purdue, we will find out. But thank you for joining me on the Boilers and Beyond podcast today. Uh, We'll be releasing weekly throughout the summer. Uh, Next week, barring any big news surrounding Purdue uh, football or basketball, uh, we'll be taking a look at the past semester of Purdue football. Now that classes are over, the semester is over.
we'll take a look back at some of the bigger stories in the past semester and look at how that sets Purdue up for the summer uh, during all these uncertain times. So uh, join us then. Give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I will link the handle in the description. And please uh, don't be afraid to reach out, ask questions uh, on Twitter, in the comments, uh, however you want to do so. But thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking to you all again next week.